where's oh I didn't have to push any buttons okay well our text tonight is John 1 verses 14 through 18 um John 1, 14 through 18. And uh, this is December 3rd. And so we're into the Christmas season, and this can uh, be officially your first Christmas sermon, as you'll see in a minute. (laughs) So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. John 1, 14 through 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has been ahead of me, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Let's pray. Lord, this is a magnificent passage of Scripture. When I come to a scripture like this, I realize how unworthy I am to be called your child and how unworthy I am of a text like this. Lord, we pray that by your grace, your name would be glorified tonight and your people would be edified. And all of your people said, Amen. This was an overwhelming passage to prepare because of the magnitude of what is said in these verses. And I want to approach it maybe a little bit differently than um, I expected at the beginning and then probably many of you expect. There's tremendous, tremendous theology in these verses. And we're going to look at that, but I want to look at it primarily this, this evening as a call to worship. A call to worship the Lord of the universe descended to earth, becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Now these verses mark the end of the prologue, the introduction of the Gospel of John. And they're a pivot point. And it is this point where we move from the high and lifted up things that start in verse 1. In, in verse 19, Brad's going to bring us down to two feet firmly planted on the earth. The flesh, the incarnate God walking and acting on earth, doing things on earth, who is God of very God in heaven. Verse 1 starts with an eternal, infinite, heavenly perspective. In verse 19, is Jesus walking as a man among men. But we also see here in verse 14 the thesis statement of the entire book of John. The Word became flesh and dwelt 
among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And our passage begins by stating this glory and then explaining this glory. And the rest of the book of John will be John proclaiming the glory of Christ walking on earth. This is the purpose of the book of John, that you would behold his glory. Now, as we mentioned, there's a lot of theology in this. There's so much theology of this that volumes have been written. Volumes have been written about these verses. The amount of material in these verses is incredible. But if you do not behold the glory of Christ in these verses, then that theology is condemnation on your head. You can hear about the glory of Christ and you can have interesting thoughts and you can leave here saying, hmm, I never thought about it from that perspective. I'm going to have to consider that. But you won't. You'll go home and think about dinner and what you're doing at work tomorrow and get started on cat videos and you'll be just like the men of Athens who say, these are interesting thoughts and are sped on their way to the hell by interesting thoughts. Worse yet, you can see this glory And you can believe it on some level. And you can come here and you can say, what a tremendous worship experience I had. What a tremendous experience of the presence of God. I can't can't wait to come back and have another worship experience. And you will be treating God the way that Herod treated the Son of God, like he's some trained monkey to do a trick for him. This is not the God we serve. If you think of God this way and you come here for some sort of selfish pleasure or experience, you have not beheld the glory of Jesus Christ. You do not know him. And this experience will be one more experience speeding you on your way to hell. And the worst, the worst is to see and to hear and believe and reject it. To reject Christ's glory and call good evil. And this is what the leaders of the Jews did when they say, do you see the works he's doing? We can't deny them. He's doing them. We see his glory. The miracles were undeniable and they said he does them by the power of Satan. This is the worst of all. Their condemnation is just. We cannot simply see the glory of God or hear about the glory of God. You can't simply believe the glory of God. There is something required of you, and that thing that is required of you is worship. Worship belongs to God alone. It says, we beheld his glory. Glory is the only, as of the only begotten from the Father. This is the true response to beholding the glory of Jesus Christ in these words and in this gospel. Thomas Watson said, a sight of God's glory humbles The stars vanish when the sun appears. God himself became flesh and dwelt among us. How can we behold his glory? How can finite finite earthly sinful beings See the glory of the eternal, infinite, spiritual, holy God. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to 
us. And who is this word? Let's start in verse 1, and we're going to put a big ellipsis in here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The creator of all things took on the nature of his creation. This is the condescension that it talks about when it says that Jesus Christ humbled himself. We see here the word became, and this is by far the best translation. Some of the older translations, starting with King James and some that came out of it, says, was made. While this is okay, it doesn't really capture the essence. He became, he took on the nature of his creation. He, he, sorry, took on is also not. A great translation. There's one obscure English translation I didn't even know of until I looked this up that says he took on flesh. But he became flesh. He wasn't something he put on that he can take off and put on again. He became flesh. It became part of who he was. God, in his essence, is triune with one nature and three persons. And Jesus Christ, one of those persons, became one person with two natures, fully God and fully man. He became flesh. We cannot emphasize that enough. All of the major heresies come out of a misunderstanding of either Christ's divinity or Christ's humanity. He is these two things. He is these two things. Now we also see here that Jesus' physical birth is the type of our spiritual birth. We're told in the verses just before this, we are children of God who are born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It says the word became flesh. Yes, he was born from the Virgin Mary. But whose will was he born by? Not the will of any man. She was the virgin Mary. He was born by the will of the Father. He himself personally became flesh, and he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The entire Godhead was involved in this act. And he dwelt among us. And John was a witness to this, and that is what he's telling us about. John knew him personally. He lived with Jesus because Jesus was a man who dwelt with him. In 1 John, he starts with what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes and beheld and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Do you see that? He called Jesus the eternal life. Eternal life isn't something we get from Jesus. It's something that Jesus is. This man whom they touched and saw and heard is eternal life. And that is where our eternal life comes from. He was manifested to us. 
What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we are writing so that our joy may be made complete. Spirit cannot be touched. Flesh can be touched. It says, we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. And only begotten here is an interesting word. There's two Greek words that can be translated as only begotten. One of them means the strict um, kind of literal sense of the only son. Right? And it has more to do with this lineage, this generation, than anything else. The only begotten word used here has a connotation of uniqueness. The emphasis is on the only one. The only one from the Father. There is a uniqueness, there is a singularity to Jesus Christ that separates him from anyone else in creation, anyone else in the entire universe, any other person. He is singular and unique. He is the glory of God displayed in a man. And what is this glory? Is John here talking about the Shekinah glory? the glory that he saw at the transfiguration, one of the three privileged apostles who got to see the Shekinah revealed in Christ, the man standing before him. I think this may be part of it, but it's not the main emphasis of what he's talking about here. Is this the terror and awe of the glory of God that was revealed to the Israelites at Sinai that caused them to fall on their faces in terror and scream and run away? No, Jesus Christ has that glory. But that's not the glory John is talking about here. We are told what he is talking about here. It says, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the glory of grace and truth. If the Shekinah glory is like staring at the sun, which burns your eyeballs, then the glory of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ is like walking in the warmth and light that the Son gives us. Now there's this funny statement thrown in that at first seems out of place. But remember, John is a good Jew and he's saying incredible things concerning the nature of God. He's saying absolutely startling things concerning the nature of God. And so he calls in a second witness because everything must be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so John A calls John B. And John B says, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has been ahead of me, for he existed before me. Now there is a a huge amount to talk about in this statement. And I'm sure Brad will get into more of it with John the Baptist. For our, for our purpose tonight, there's one thing we want to focus on. He who comes before me, or comes after me. Jesus was born in the flesh six months after John the Baptist. Has been ahead of me, for he existed before me. He was God. He was the Word. So Jesus was God the Word appearing in human flesh. And that is what John the Baptist is saying here. And that is what John the Apostle is calling him to witness to. 
and the explanation of the glory, grace and truth, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We have the fullness of grace in Christ. We have the fulfillment of grace in Christ. It says grace upon grace. The idea here is like the waves crashing on the seashore. They never end. One follows another in constant succession. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The Old Testament grace that we see given is fulfilled in Christ. And because of this, we have a continuing flow of grace in our lives as believers. Grace upon grace upon grace. His blessings are new every morning. Now, we see a contrast here between the law given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But whose law was it that Moses gave? It was God's law. And so we see here not a contrast as one against the other, but of the grace as the fulfillment of the law. And there are two laws at work here. They are the law behind the law, so to speak. In Romans 8, 2 is what tells us about these laws. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And these laws have been at work since the very beginning. And going through Genesis we have perfect examples of this, glorious examples of this. Yahweh commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you shall surely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. This is the first law given in the Bible. The clearest statement of this law of sin and death comes from Ezekiel 18.20 where it says straight out, the soul who sins will die. Everyone dies for the same reason. Death comes to us all for the same reason, even if it comes in different ways. And the, the reason is we have sin. This is the law of sin and death that enslaves every single human being that has ever been born. The soul who sins will die. But there is also another law that has been work even from the beginning. Adam, you ate what I said not to eat. You will die. But I am going to make for you a covering from the skins of these animals and I am going to continue to show you my grace. And it says, in those days, people began again to call on the name of the Lord. Noah, I am going to destroy the earth because of your sin, but I am going to show you favor. Abraham, you come from an idolatrous people. You deserve death for turning away from me, but I am going to call you out and put my favor upon you. This is the law of the spirit of life. And it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But there's a problem here. There's a problem we have to deal with. Ezekiel 18.20 goes on and says this, The soul who sins will die. The son will not bear the iniquity of the father, nor the father bear the iniquity of the son. 
The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. If every man is required to die for his own sin, no man may die for another man's sin. And no man's righteousness can be given for another. This, this presents a serious problem for substitutionary atonement, doesn't it? But there is a solution. There is a solution to this, and we find it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He was made, or he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And at this point, we behold the glory of Jesus Christ. He knew no sin. He did not have to die. He was not bound by the law of sin and death. His life was his own. It did not belong to death. And because his life was his own, he was able to give it for us on our behalf. He became sin on our behalf because he became flesh and dwelt among us. He became a man who could give his life for all flesh, for all men and women. This is the perfect fulfillment of the Mosaic law. Jesus Christ walked in such perfection on this earth that even his worst enemies could not bring an accusation against him. And even the accusation they finally brought against him to kill him was from his own lips. And all they said was, you're a liar. You claim to be God. And we see here in this passage, he was God. This was no trumped up charge. This was simple, flat rejection of the truth. They could not bring a charge against him. He was the perfect man. And not only the perfect man, he was the perfect Jew. Not only did he fulfill some 400 prophecies about the Messiah, he fulfilled over 400 laws of what a righteous man is. This is the perfect fulfillment of God's holiness for mankind. God was holy in and of himself before this, and he will be holy throughout all eternity. But in this dissension, condescension, in this coming to earth, dwelling with us as flesh, he is able to give that righteousness to us. It's the perfect fulfillment of God's righteousness. The law requires righteousness. Grace fulfills righteousness. I love this quote from James Montgomery Boyce. He says, The contrast is between the law with all of its regulations and the new era of salvation by grace through faith apart from the works of the law that has come with Jesus Christ. It is a great contrast. Under the law, God demands righteousness from his people. Under grace, he gives it to his people. For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who indeed did not spare his own son, but who delivered him over for us all, how, he will, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? 
God is the one who justifies. God himself is the one who justifies. God was against us. His wrath was on us. Jesus' sacrifice fulfills the law of sin and death in our stead. Our sin demanded death. And he gave that death in our place. This is how he can show Noah favor without it being a gross miscarriage of justice. This is how he can show you and I favor without it being a gross miscarriage of justice. Because his righteousness fulfills not only the law of sin and death, but also the law of the spirit of life. The, righteous, the favor that Noah found with God was because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this is why we can say, and this is why we are told that he is the just and the justifier of those who believe in him. We have received grace upon grace. Do you behold the glory of Jesus Christ in these words. Finally, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus Christ is the explanation of God himself. The word explanation here is exegesis. It means to make plain, to lay open, to show what it means, to explain. Jesus shows us God. He was not only with God in the beginning, he was in the bosom of the Father. There's an intimacy here. There's an intimacy here of relationship between all of the parts of the Godhead. Jesus coming to earth was the fruit of this intimacy. It glorifies God's name, and out of that glory, we receive the benefit. Do you want to see God? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you want to know what God is like? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you wish to know what righteousness really is? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you wish to be free from the law of sin and death? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn? of all of creation? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ. For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. That is us. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? Behold the glory of Jesus Christ, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Have you truly beheld the glory of Jesus Christ? Have you looked at him and seen and heard and believed and worshipped? He is God of very God and he became flesh 
true flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Let's pray. Lord, your glory is so far beyond us and yet you have given it us You have given yourself to us. You have given yourself for us so that we can see it, so that we can hear it. We can touch it. We can know you. We can be called your children. Lord, this is grace upon grace upon grace. But your grace is never separated from truth. It is only through the fulfillment of these laws that we can receive your grace because Jesus Christ himself has fulfilled them for us. Who is like the Lord our God? You are singular. You are unique. You are the only one. You are God. And beside you there is no other. In the holy and beautiful and glorious name of Jesus Christ, we pray all of these things. Amen.